in season, in season and out of season. couple of hymns of the church. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to sing a couple of uh, old hymns. Uh, they'll be on your screens, uh, also in your hymn book uh, as well, if, uh, if you need those as well. So let's sing an old song, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us today. Pray that you will continue to bless us and watch over us. Pray that you will be with the pastor as he delivers the word tonight, that we will hear the words that you would have us to hear, so we can use them for thy glory. Help us, we ask in Jesus' holy precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, remain standing. Let's sing another old hymn of the church. Simply just says, Jesus, hold my hand. Uh, we're just going to worship the Lord tonight.
So, Lord, we're just going to sing the songs of Zion today. Lord, we just worship you. Oh, there's an endless song that goes in my soul that I
the troubled times. Sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and I fall down again. Oh, I can sing cause you pick me up. I can sing cause you pick me Jehovah, he is seated on the throne. Father, Father, who will it overflows, the God who was and is and shall be forever. Holy is the Lord. So
So we know holiness has a name and it's Jesus. Victory has a name and it's thank you for the presence we felt this morning service. We thank you for the spirit of God that's even in our midst in this moment. Father, I pray that the remaining portion and segment of this service would bring glory and honor to you. We'll forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that's due your name in Christ Jesus, we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Sister Tracy, are you good tonight? You want to try? You ready? A couple weeks ago, Ben, you can stay here just for a minute. It's going to be in the key of B-flat, so you don't have to worry about it. It's a hymn, B-flat, B-S and boy. Um, she's going to borrow your spot, so if you don't mind. Um, I told you a couple, well, a couple weeks ago we had, a couple weeks ago we had Brother Dale sing for us, but I told you a while back that uh, Sister Tracy used to play the organ at Somerville Church of God with my dad. My dad was a part of the music department back then. I wasn't even born yet, and uh, they played together for many, many years together. And then I showed up, 
that ruined everything. And uh, and uh, I came onto the scene, and uh, I'd sit there and play with him. And uh, so she's a uh, organist. So I told her next time she come, I wanted her to, to play. So I'm putting her on the spot uh, as well. So. Miss Sherry, is that you? I, I, it's been a long time. Is that Miss Sherry? You can come play here, and then I can take. Yes, yes. You played with them too. That's what you did. You played with all of them. <laughs> all right. Well, I tried. Well, Miss Sherry that's back here, I, it's hard. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm 33. I can't see. But uh, but uh, I look like her from a distance. Either, I, either I'm old or I need new contacts. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but uh, she played with my dad as well. So um, anyway, so can we give both these ladies just a Santee Circle welcome? And uh, she's going to play with us tonight. We're just going to play. Guys, we're just going to play Power in the Blood together and uh, worship the Lord together.
Thank you so much. Aren't you glad for talent? Talent is, uh, we always like new talent and people to play and and to sing and to do all that. Brother Dale sang for us and uh, Miss Tracy came. I said, all right, you're next. I had him sing, so you got to play. So we'll swap it around a little bit. And uh, we'll keep working on Miss Sherry back there. Uh, maybe one Sunday night I'll, or Sunday morning, depending on when she's here, we'll we'll pull her up here and do the same as well. Um, if you're here this morning, we had such a special treat uh, today to have Miss Angie. You can make your way uh, up here. I had uh, Brother Randy and uh, Sister Carol's friend from Georgia today with us. Uh, she sings on her praise team at the Mount Olivet Church of God uh, in uh, Tennessee. Is that right? Cleveland, Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, she drives a little distance to get there from Dalton, Georgia, but she goes, and she's faithful. And, uh, and so this evening, uh, since her last hoorah being in South Carolina, I said, well, you can sing one without us playing, you know, since we probably butchered you this morning and let you have an offered second chance because we probably messed you up this morning. So she's going to sing, and immediately following that, we'll jump into the word this evening. God bless you.
Thank you so much. Those that are joining online, online, uh, live stream, or whether it's on Facebook or YouTube tonight, we welcome you to church tonight. Can we just welcome all our online uh, viewers to church tonight? Let them know we're glad they're with us. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to the book of Habakkuk, chapter number three. It's a little short book, about three chapters. It's in that section of Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, all that section in there. Those joining online and in-house, don't forget, you can always check what's going on in our services at SanteeCircleCOG.org. You can always go to your Apple uh, iTunes store or Google podcast and subscribe to our channel at Santee Circle. COG has all our services. Uh, it has every Sunday, Sunday services. We don't do a lot of our midweeks out there, but... Uh, your midweeks are always on Facebook and um, YouTube that you can always go back and archive those and watch them again, but we don't normally put them on the podcast uh, on there. You can also download the app called Our Church, and it basically is like a mobile app of our website to help you navigate it. Always to, multiple ways to give in-house or uh, if you're online, and uh, some already do that. Don't forget we're in the middle of a series on Sunday morning called Scare Tactics, talking about how the devil is wanting to instill fear into the body of Christ. He's trying to use every tactic he can to instill fear, but the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. And so we're talking about that the enemy might try to scare you, but fear is only false evidence appearing real. And that God's got it under control. We started a message this morning, and we'll pick up next week. We started a message with, are you a fear finder or are you a faith fighter? And that's what it's all about. How do you decide what to do. Don't forget, we're still uh, taking donations, sign-ups, and everything for our 30th of October. It's a Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m., our annual family, uh, church family fest, fall family fest. I'll get it right. And uh, we've got all kinds of stuff. We've got food, jump castles, prizes, pony rides, trunker treats, s'mores, cotton candy, games. Uh, but all that, got to have help. Got to have workers. We got to have donations. If you want to, there's a whole smorgasbord list of things we need from food items to candy to whatever there's a whole list and you can see me or sister Jeannie Godin about that there's also sign-up sheets in the back all that other information you can go to our Facebook page and or our um, website to get more information about all of that it's open to all ages it's absolutely free uh, for anybody who wants to come we underwrite this cost uh, in-house so it will be um, free to you and your family so don't worry about it you just bring your little kids and grandkids, neighbors' kids, and at least tell their parents you took their kid, though, before you take them. Uh, I don't want Berkeley County to show up here and say that we've abducted children, because if they do, I'm going to tell them that he, that, that was the church, a Santee Circle community across the street. That's who they're looking for, not us. We didn't take kids. So make sure you ask their parents before you take their kid. Um, and uh, so, and make sure that they're of sober, of sound mind when you ask them, too. Uh, you think that's that's a joke, but uh, I had an opportunity one time when I was serving as a youth pastor in, uh, in Orangeburg. Girls had her permission slip signed by her mother. Her mother was a crack addict. Her mother about 3 o'clock in the morning sobered up and realized she didn't know where her ch child was at at 3 o'clock in the morning. Called the, Berkeley, uh, called the Orangeburg County Sheriff's Department. They showed up at the church with a blue light special and wanted to take me out in cuffs because I had abducted a child. I said, no, no, I got a permission slip that her mama signed. Mama was so jacked up when she signed it, she didn't even know she signed her kid away. I could have just took her kid and never even known about it. But uh, make sure they know what they're signing. And uh, if they don't, 
go ahead if they're kind of incapacitated and the bottom line say and when something happens to you all your uh, assets go to Santee Circle Church of God go ahead and let them sign it right then too go ahead and sign it all the way while we're at it just sign it all uh, but make sure they know where their kids are at alright so you're going to want to join us it's going to be a lot of fun alright Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 once you have it you'll stand for the reading of the word if you don't have your Bibles no worries I have you covered it's on the screen if you can't read no worries I will say it out loud so you'll hear it if you're deaf, no worries, it's on the screen. So if you can see, you can, hear, you can at least know what I'm about to say. If you're deaf, blind, uh, mute, um, I, I don't, I'm running out of options. I don't know what else to do. We don't have Braille, but I'll try my best to get it across to you. But uh, we wanted you to hear the word of the Lord today. You may have heard this scripture before, um, preached before, but I want to look at it a little bit different tonight. Although the fig tree shall not blossom neither shall there be fruit in the vines the labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat the flock they'll be cut off from the fold there will be no herd in the stalls that's pretty depressing scripture to read isn't it when you broke and got nothing else you hungry you poor you need it. You can't even get grape juice. You can't even get oil to anoint yourself because you need the Lord to bless you. You're just flat broke. You got nothing. If we shut our Bibles right there, we'd all leave home depressed. That's how the devil wants us to leave church. He wants us to think that we're broke and destitute and got no hope. He wants us to think that we're of all men most miserable and got nothing. But don't shut your Bible yet. You got to get to the next verse. Next verse changes the dynamic. Yet... I'm still broke, I'm still poor, I still don't have grape juice, I still don't have any meat in the freezer, I still haven't killed a deer this season to stock up my pile of, of meat for the year. I, I, I still don't have nothing, but even though I don't have it, yet will I still rejoice and be glad in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I may not have it, but I'm going to praise God like I got it anyway, even though I may not have it. Can I tell you sometimes if you praise before you receive, you might be surprised how much you receive in return. I'll still praise the Lord for the Lord. Why should I keep praising Him for this reason? For the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me walk upon high places. Chief of the singer on my stringed instrument. Now if you have a Bible that has headers, it might actually say above verse 17, a hymn of faith. A hymn of faith. We've been talking about that. Don't be people of fear, be people of faith. So he said, I don't even see the benefits, Lord. I don't even see the meat in the freezer. I don't see the money in the bank. I don't see the job coming through. I don't see the mortgage. But God, I don't see anything happening good right now. But I'm still going to praise you in advance. I'm going to put praise on credit. I, 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 it's like having a credit card of heaven I may not have the money yet God But I'm going to go ahead and put some praise on credit So when I got to cash it in uh, I'll be able to use that credit for my disposal When I need it most I will still praise the Lord Now look at what the Bible says in Matthew Now in the morning as Jesus was returning into the city He was hungry That shows you he was just like us Like man he was hungry He came to a fig tree along the way when he saw it, there was nothing on it. You know, it's pretty sad when you're hungry 
and you drive through town and all the restaurants are closed because they don't have enough staff to work in. You're hungry. Okay, y'all must don't live in Monk's Corner. Am I the only one that ever sees that happen? My Lord, where, where y'all people live? I want to go where y'all live. Apparently, y'all got workers. Man, we've already shut Browns down. You can't even get barbecue in this town except for the music, man. Now Browns just closed up. They even took your sign down not to even get false advertisement. Bulldozing it. I was at KFC the other day. Big old sign says, please be understanding with our workers as no one wants to work anymore. I was like, wow, that's a pretty nice way of saying that. Wow. I don't know if that's why people are not working for them because they're that honest, but, you know. I go places. I went to Zaxxon's a couple weeks ago. We were closing our dining room at 8 o'clock, staffing crisis. Man, what if I was hungry at 8.05? Like, I mean, I got to tell my body, when, like, what the world? When you're hungry, you want food. It's kind of sad when you're hungry and ain't no food. Anybody ever been at your house and you just wanted the munchies, you had the munchies, you want something, you go to the cabinet, you look around, ain't nothing you like. But you're too lazy to go to the store either because you don't want to go there either. Unless you're like Miss Carol, she's got it made because she, she's just got to tell Brother Randy, I think Brother Randy's like, I'm on the way to the store right now. I'll go get it right now. I don't even know what you're thinking about, but I was thinking I needed to go to Walmart anyway because I wanted something too. Let's go. I don't know why they got a they got a pantry full already. They're ready for Armageddon. I don't know what they need to go to the grocery store for. They got it. I always love it when I'm not gonna say who's ever done this, but I've been around people that their house is full of food and they walk to cover and say, I'm, I'm just kinda hungry. I got the much and they look around and then they have the audacity to come back, sit on the couch and go, There ain't nothing to eat in this house. What are you talking about? We only got $500 worth of groceries in here. What do you mean there ain't nothing eating here? Well, ain't nothing I want. Well, that ain't my problem. You hungry enough? Come on, somebody. He's hungry. Come by a fig tree. There's nothing there. Only leaves. He said, well, you know what? Doggone it. Let there be no fruit that ever grows on this tree forever. And presently, the fig tree dried up and withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away they're saying how did he do that Jesus said unto you verily verily I say unto you if you have faith and doubt not you shall not only do what you've seen done to this fig tree but you can speak unto your mountains and you can tell them be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and immediately it'll be done for you too that's pretty good stuff right there so for the next few moments I want to preach to you I'm going to go back and read one verse of scripture that I want to point out Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, even when there's no fig on the fig tree, there's no cattle in the stalls, there's no grapes on the vine, there's no oil in the jar or in the cruise, there's nothing. But I still will rejoice in the Lord. So I want to preach tonight for a few minutes on, yet, don't fret. Yet, don't fret. I, I didn't say it wouldn't be bad, I just said don't fret. Wait for your yet moment. Don't fret. Father, I pray you would bless the reading of this word. Help us to be hearers and doers likewise of it. But I pray that you would be with those watching online, those that are also in the house tonight. And the Spirit of the Lord would speak to their heart. I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's name I pray and ask these things. And the body of Christ says amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Yet, don't fret. Two passages of scripture I read in your hearing tonight. Both of them talk about one common theme, one common element, the fig tree. The fig tree. In Habakkuk, the prophet of God shares how a famine can be 
devastating, can decimate. It can destroy a community. When there's nothing there, everybody's in a famine. When you have nothing, when, when, when you go through a crisis of no food or shortage of food, they call that a famine. The children of Israel walked through a famine. When Joseph was in prison. Pharaoh had some dreams. About seven fatted calves, seven lean calves, seven full stalks of corn and grain, and seven lean stalks of corn and grain. It represented seven years of plenty, God's divine number of completion, and seven years of not so plenty, preparing for the worst. See, everybody, if you live long enough, everybody will go through a spiritual famine. You'll go through a season where you are feel like you're starving spiritually for the word of the Lord. You're starving. I said a couple weeks ago in our... Uh, or last week in our men and women's Bible study fellowship night, that between the book of Malachi and the book of Mark and the synoptic gospels writing, it's 400 years of silence. I'm not here to say that God didn't speak at all to somebody, but nobody had the common sense to write down what God was saying. So obviously there was a lot of people waiting to hear from God that didn't hear anything for 400 years. That's a long time to wait to hear from God. The Bible says that this fig tree is designed to produce fruit. It is known by the sweet fruit, the source of nutrients and life-giving materials it possesses. This fig tree in Habakkuk is barren, not fruitful, no impending blossoms. In Matthew 21, Jesus is also looking at this same life-giving fig tree coming back from Jerusalem and Bethany. He is traveling this little less than two-mile stretch of land and he's hungry he thinks oh there's a fruit tree there's a fig tree there's probably some fresh fruit on there and it'll be sweet to the taste and it'll give me nourishment he walks up to a tree and there's nothing in fact Jesus taught his disciples many times you will know a a tree by the fruit in which it bears talking about spiritually that the way we can tell if people are saved and the way we can tell if people are part of the body of Christ has to do by what fruit they produce on their tree of life. Jesus said we're designed to be called fruit inspectors. He said you're supposed to look, you're supposed to be able to identify do they produce the fruits of the spirit or are they producing fruit of the flesh? You have to know the differentiation of the fruit. He goes to the tree, but there's nothing. How sad of a day that it is that even today in modern this modern century in which we live in 2021, staring 2022 right in the face in just a couple months. I mean, it seems like we just got really good in understanding how to handle 2021, and we're already looking November close to the to the uh, in the in our, in our sights, and we'll soon be at 2022 and have to start this all over again with uncertainty and and not knowing what it'll bring. How sad it is that we live in a day that there are men and women who have used to go to church and even some who still go to church and they come and sit on our pews but their spiritual trees are barren and they produce no fruit for the body of Christ. That's sad. They come to church but they got no fruit. None. Jesus sees this. It has been a roller coaster emotion of a day. It's been a long day for Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. I wonder how many of us have ever been there where life sometimes is nothing more than a roller coaster of emotion. We're up today, down tomorrow. 
Up a week, down two weeks. Up a month, down six months. It's just a roller coaster of emotions. Jesus had, Jesus had started out his week triumphantly welcomed with the praises as he rode through the city. Yet, the end of the day, he is angered and bewildered at how the house of God has become a localized market for the merchandising and propagandizing of a superstore rather than a house of prayer. It started out with Hosanna, blessed is he, and at the end of the day it turns out that the house of God's become a frat house. Hello. God, don't let me go here today. It'll be a long journey. See, what I have come to learn is a lot of churches are more interested in becoming a house party than a house of prayer. There is a difference between a house party and a house of prayer. There's too many people wanting to be a frat house than a house of faith. Come on, somebody. Don't make me preach alone or you're not going to get dinner. It'll be a long night. See, the reality of it is this. Jesus said he goes and flips over tables and he uses whips to, to, to open up cages. And he said, but my house, you turn it into a den of thieves, but my house should be a house of prayer. You can walk in many churches across our nation. I'm not talking about a specific denomination. We got them in the church of God too. So don't even think it's just all these other denominations. Church of God's got them too. We got our own problems. Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye and you got a two by four in your own eyes. So I'll talk about us. We got too many churches. Oh, they've mastered the art of programming. Their lights are synchronized like a concert. Hello. I mean, they just hit a preset on a button and it's fed through the soundboard. And so when the bass player hits a certain note, the vibrato off, off his bass will change the lights automatically. They'll flash and strobe and spin. And you think you went to Alabama's 50th reunion concert. Hello. I know some of y'all probably wish y'all were there the other night. I know what y'all thinking. Come on, somebody. I know Randy Owens had some of y'all's heart back in the day. I know it. They flash, they strobe, they stream. You can't even see the preacher. It's like he's a superstar. There's so much smoke and haze on there. You better not have asthma because you're going to die. Come on, somebody. The pastor's off hidden in a secluded corner in the dark waiting for a beam of light to show up so he can strut across the stage in jeans about three sizes too small for his body and a white, white T-shirt and a jean jacket and a belt. I don't know why he needed a belt for it. He couldn't have been over to tie shoes if he wanted to with his Air Jordans on coming up talking about how I got a word from the Lord. No, you're a superstar. Hello. Oh, it's a long journey. I know we're not going anywhere tonight. See, what we're interested in, we're interested in giving the world a, well, pastor, we got to be relevant. we got to give them a safe place. What about giving them a holy place? How are they going to know how to live right and act right and dress right and talk right if we give them the same thing they're already doing? Well, Pastor, you know they're going to the nightclubs, and you know they're going clubbing on Saturday night. We're just trying to make it more relevant. Well, that's what's going to send them to hell. Give them an alternative to that. You say, Pastor, should we not have lights and smoke? No, I didn't say you can't have lights that done properly. I've, 
I, my church that I served at before I came here, we had a few uh, uh, accent lighting on the stage, but we didn't turn all the lights off so you couldn't see one another lift your hands. We didn't turn it so dark you couldn't even tell if there was a praise team on stage or not. We had lights that accented, but we wanted the body of Christ to see their brother and sisters raising their hands together, crying together, worshiping together, and the beauty of holiness because there's something to be said about it being God's house, not a frat house. Jesus has walked through this day, these emotions. He's walking back, wanting to rest. He's headed to a place called Bethany. Bethany was a familiar place to Jesus. It was a place of safety, provision. This was a place that Jesus was all too familiar with. He had been there many times at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus for many meals in his journey. He'd also been to the home of a man by the a leopard by the name of Simon, whom at his house a woman came with the bottle of alabaster perfume and spikenard and broke it and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair in the middle of dinner. This was a special place to Jesus. The village had been described by many as remarkably beautiful, a perfect place for retirement. Seclusion, a lonely place, but a place of just serenity and peace. A village that eventually would turn out to contain about 20 families within the comprisement of its corridors. I wonder how many of us have ever been there, though. Life seems to be good for a while, but then it changes on a dime. Everything's going good. Money in the bank. Kids are acting like they actually got common sense. Husbands actually listen to orders from the wife. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. He actually did some of the things on the honey to-do list before you even put it on the fridge for him. And you're like, God is in control today. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, y'all. But then there are the other days. Those are the days where you're like, I've had that list on the refrigerator for six months. So exactly when you said you're going to get to it was the timeline you're going to get to it mean. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all still don't have handles on your doors at the house because your husband ain't put the doorknob back on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Jesus has had a journey. There's a couple things I want to point out to you. The first thing is that Jesus was weary from traveling. He's tired. Bible said he just wanted to rest. He had expended, expended all his energies. He had been celebrated at pastor's appreciation on Sunday morning. Oh, Jesus, you're the best. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Hosanna, blesses he. Oh, you're the best pastor we've ever had, Jesus. Jesus goes back to church on Sunday night, seeing what church is going to be like on Sunday night, and realize that they're having an old-fashioned just honky-tonk at church. His energy's expended. He's flipped over tables. He's bull whipped, cracked open cages of animals. They're selling them like a super center or market. They're trying to make money off the people of God, jacking up the prices. Jesus was tired. He just wanted to rest on this journey. Habakkuk 3 tells us that throughout 
passage of Habakkuk 3 that the people of God, they also were weary. They had, they had been through a lot. They had been praying, God, help us, deliver us, save us, give us something. I would be a terrible example of a mouthpiece for God if I didn't stop just for a moment and insert here. There are folks today, whether they're struggling financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, they are weary on this excruciating journey called life. They're about ready to give it up. They're done. There are some people, they're just flat out done with COVID. They're just done. They don't care what happens. They're just done. They're tired of hearing about it. They're tired of reading about it. They're tired of, you know, they're tired. There's people tired of fighting sicknesses, and cancer, diseases. There are people throwing in the towels on their marriage saying, you know what, it ain't worth the fight anymore. I'm, you know, I'm done. They just throw in the towel. There are mothers and fathers who are turning backs on kids and being like, you know what, This journey of life that we're on, this excruciating journey called life, some people are ready to give up. They're just tired of fighting. They're exhausted. You see, life sometimes goes unplanned, unexpected. Things happen we didn't see coming, and it creates chaos and challenges. We didn't know it was going to happen this way. Sometimes we even lay on our beds and look to God and say, God, it wasn't supposed to be like this. We're tired. Tired of fighting, tired of crying, tired of hurting, tired of being afraid, tired of feeling all the weight is on our shoulders. We feel like it's better to throw in the towel and quit on each other. More importantly, quit on God. I'm just done. I quit. However, God's word states that God will make a way. When there seems to be no way. The old song says, he works in ways he cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my God. Draw me close to his side. Love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. God will make a way. I can't tell you when God's going to make a way. But I can tell you that the Bible is full of examples where God always makes a way. You see, I, I sang it a couple, uh, about three weeks ago, spontaneously in the message. The old song, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. One of my favorite lines in the whole song is, you can ask the children of Israel. They were trapped in the Red Sea by a mean old Pharaoh and his army. They had water all around them. Pharaoh was on their tracks. But out of nowhere, God stepped in and he just cut a highway just like that. That lets me know he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. See, I know there are people that are tired of crying, tired of fighting, tired of, of having to deal with the emotional and physical and mental strain of what's going on in life. But I'm telling you, whether it's a job, whether it's a child, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a church, whether it is COVID, whether it's the government, or whether it's just you got some kind of physical ailment, I'm here to tell you that even when all hope seems lost and everybody else says you might as well just give in, throw in the towel, and just say you're done, the Bible said if I stay true to God and put my hand in His hand, that no matter what I may come through and no matter what I go through that God will make a way he didn't say that I may not have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death he didn't say I may not have to face it he didn't even say I may live to tell about it on this side of heaven but what he did promise me is even if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death I don't have to fear evil cause God you're right there with me all the way and if he takes me home, praise God, because I'm not going to have to worry about it anymore. Not going to have to worry. 
Well, we have a weary traveler. Then we got a withered tree. It ain't really pretty. You ever seen a dead tree? It ain't real pretty. You know, we like trees that have leaves, flowers. If it's supposed to produce fruit, fruit. We don't like it when they're barren twigs and easy to just snap because they're brittle. They're not really pretty for pictures. Nobody says, you know what, I think for my family pictures, I'm going to wait after the spring. I don't want to take it in spring. I'm going to wait till it's winter, and I want to take it in front of all the dead trees. Nobody does that. No. If they do happen to have to take it back then, they Photoshop leaves on trees. I've seen people get married in the winter and think, how did they have azaleas in the winter? How is that possible? Like, how, how do they make azaleas? All of a sudden, they look like they got a floral garden behind them, and it was December when they did this. How did they do that? And I know they didn't go out of town to the Caribbean islands to do this. I was at the wedding. It was freezing. They photoshopped that stuff in. A withered tree. Both stories talk about a withered tree. That there was a source of goodness and wellness in life and a tree that was supposed to produce this. But when both Habakkuk talked about it and when Jesus talked about it, both showed up to a tree that didn't have anything to offer anybody. There are men and women coming to us knowing that we as the body of Christ should have a direct connection to the tree of life in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said it like this, I am the vine and you are the branches and he that is grafted into me should produce fruit. But he that does not produce fruit, the Father will prune that branch. He'll cut it off and throw it into the fire for it not to be producing anymore. There are people looking for us thinking we're grafted into a life-giving tree. But our branches aren't producing nothing. We're attached to the right tree. We're just not producing anything from the tree. Jesus cursed this tree. Not because it hadn't lived up to its own potential. It wasn't just because it didn't have fruit. Jesus cursed the tree because it had failed to do the job it was assigned to do. See, the Bible says that God has plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God has an assignment for every one of our lives, but if we fail to do the assignment, he might just go ahead and curse the tree because we're not doing what he called us to do. Not everybody's called to play the instruments. Not everybody's called to sing songs. Not everybody's called to play the drums or to stand behind a sacred lecture and preach. But whatever you're called to do, you better use it to the glory of God or he might curse the tree. The Bible said, Jesus said it like this, he said there were men, there was a, a master getting ready to leave, and the one servant he gave five talents, the one servant he gave three talents, and the one he gave one. The five went out and doubled it and made ten. The one with three went out and made five. And the one that had the one talent went and buried it in the sand and said, you know what, I ain't going to mess up with this because he'll get mad if I mess up with it. The master came back, the one that had five said, I made ten. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with three came back and said, I made five. He said, well done. Good and faithful servant, the one with the one came back with the same one, says, well, I know you were a shrewd man. 
know, he tried to justify his behavior. You know, I was I knew you were a shrewd man, and I knew you worked hard, sir, for your money. And I knew you, if I lost it, you would be mad. And so I just went ahead and buried I didn't put it in the bank and get interest. I didn't do anything. I just put it in a shoebox and buried it under my bed. And I waited for you to come back, and I just gave it back to you. Remember what the Bible said? The master did. He said, you wicked, vile, and unruly servant, take that talent from him and give it to the one that has five that made ten. What the Bible is saying is God didn't give you something and call you to do something for you to bury it in the sand, sit on a pew and do nothing with it. If God called you to teach, you better teach. If God called you to sing, you better sing. If God called you to play, you better play. But if you sit on a pew and do nothing, don't get mad when God takes it from you. He'll curse the tree. Jesus was illustrating what happens when hypocrisy and pollutions of cultural influence infiltrate the root of his house called the church. He was exposing the fig tree's failure to fulfill his assignment. His job was one job, fruit. Today there are many churches that were once sweet, life-giving, Holy Ghost-filled, blood-bought, devil-wrecking forces to deal with. Yet now they are the bitter, soured, withering away and on the very edge of being cursed and Ichabod written across the doorpost of their houses of worship because there ain't nothing bearing fruit inside the house. I know churches right now, I ain't going to say names, but I'm telling you without a supernatural ruah, breath of God blowing in with a fresh anointing of God, if God doesn't do it pretty soon, somebody's going to see Ichabod road over the door. Somebody's going to put a 7-Eleven on that piece of property or somebody else is going to buy it because that church is going to die out. Why? Because God didn't want it to bless? No, but because man got in the way and man did not produce the fruit that was supposed to be produced. And all of a sudden, God stepped back and said, I can't even deal with this. And he let man do it. And man destroyed it but I'm telling you if God the Bible said God's going to always have a remnant if we at this local church want to be a remnant that's going to be seen as a light a beacon of light and a lighthouse on highway 52 for all of this community to see we better make sure it's not about who stands behind the pulpit it's not about who plays these instruments it's not about even who sits on these pew but it better be Jesus high and lifted up that he draws all men unto himself it better always stay about Jesus that's what it's about. God has given people a task and ability. They've done nothing with it. Luke 13, 9, 13, 6 through 9 says this. Jesus speaking in a parable. He said a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and it was seeking fruit. And it, when he went to look, it had none. He said to the keeper of the vineyard, look for three more years. If I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, cut it down. What does it do needing to take nutrients from the soil? When he answered him, he said, sir, let it be done this year also. So he dug around and he fertilized it and he dug around and fertilized it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, you can cut it down. What the servant was saying, just give me a little bit of time. But what the master was saying is I've given it plenty of time. If it's not going to step up to the plate, I need to put something there that's going to. Hello. Sometimes God's, set, God's going to be the kind of God that's not just the loving, merciful, but he's also going to be the supreme judge. And, and, and sometimes he's going to be the vineyard, uh, the, the, the keeper of the vineyard. And sometimes he's going to walk around and he's going to pluck up some roots and he's going to pluck up some trees and say, if this tree's not going to produce fruit, I'm going to find something that will and he'll remove it. I heard somebody one time say, Pastor, we're going through a major church hurt. Church is splitting. I was praying with him about it. And at first I thought, gosh, that low-down rascal little preacher destroying that church. They need to move him. Cleveland needs to step in and do something. They need to remove him. 
And I will say 99.9% of the time, that would be the smartest move. But, you know, we ain't always the smartest people in the church of God. But that being said, I've also learned that sometimes God can't bless what, uh, God wants to curse things, but man's trying to bless what God's already cursed. You can't bless what God's cursed. <laughs> you give, you're wasting your time. Now, you don't, don't misunderstand. Some of y'all, when I say this, you're going to go ahead and turn me out and turn me loose and you're going to be done. You're going to be like, oh, pastor, my God, I can't believe you said that. Well, you should be not shocked by anything I say at this point. You shouldn't really matter at this point. You know, nothing should shock you now. Been here two, over two years now. You should be pretty much well aware of what you've got by now. But here's the bottom line. A couple months after that, I started thinking about that thing. I thought about other churches that were going through similar crises. Their church may, shutting, may end up shutting down because, not just of COVID-related, but because nobody's going to church there. They destroyed it. And some people have went on and found places of worship to be fed. Praise God for that. But I also learned something, Brother Larry, that most people don't want to hear. I learned that sometimes you need to bless them when they walk out. And not beg them to come back. Pastor, I can't believe you say that. Let me help you understand something. Sometimes you can hold on to somebody too long. It's kind of like, it's kind of like food. You can leave it in the refrigerator all you want to. Eventually, it gets mold. No matter how much you got it in an air-sealed container, eventually it molds. You can eat it if you want to, but you're stupid for doing it. It's the same way spiritually. There, have been, there are sometimes people come into the body of Christ, nothing more to look to stir up trouble, and division, and cause problems. Now, sometimes it's in the pew. Sometimes it's behind the pulpit. Hello. But sometimes in life, sometimes it's better to give them a plaque and say, thank you for your years of service. We're going to throw you a, a dinner after church. We are so glad for your 42 years of serving as the Sunday school superintendent or the church clerk. We thank you for serving for 52 years as the church clerk. We love you and God bless you. And as soon as they say, well, pastor, we're not going to be able to stay. We're going to go to church across town. We are so sorry. I hate to see you go. And we really hope that you have a good uh, experience and you give them a plaque, you send them on a farewell dinner, and the next Sunday you sing Jubilee and praise God they're not there no more. You know why? Because sometimes those people will hurt you and hinder you from where God wants to take you because if you put enough, the Bible says a little bit of leaven will go and ruin the whole loaf. The reality of it is this, if you get just a little bit of fungus in the yard, it will eventually spread and destroy the entire yard before it's over with. Just one little bit of poison can destroy it all. Sometimes it's better to let the poison go down the street, even if it hurts for a minute. And even, you know, nobody likes to be pruned. But, but in order for a tree to actually survive, sometimes it's got to be cut back a little bit before new growth can come. Sometimes you've got to let God do some pruning in his church and move some dead things out of the way and some sacred cows out of the way so God can bring new life out of a branch that needs to be blooming again. There's a withered tree. But there's also unwavering faith. The disciples are like, whoa. Jesus walks by and says, you know what? You're no longer going to produce fruit. And that tree just went. The disciples are like, oh. 
I mean, they had also seen Jesus raise dead people. I don't really know why this is a shock. I mean, if you can walk to the cemetery and ruin a whole funeral, I don't know why a tree's a big deal. I mean, I feel like I'd be a lot more scared if I could go down to Berkeley Memorial Gardens and just start walking by people's uh, tombstones and be like, hey, y'all come on with me. And they all got up. That's kind of freaky. That's what I'd be worried about. Not that you know how to spray, you know, weed and feed on a plant and kill it. Anybody can do that. Man, you can buy enough weed and feed and kill that stuff. Roundup will kill a lot of stuff. Dead people's a whole different ballgame. I know we're like in October and all this stuff, but I don't do that, all these spirits and ghosts. The only ghost I like is the Holy Ghost, and I know what he's like, and I certainly don't want other ones with him. That's the only ghost I like. I know Casper says he's friendly, but if I see him at night, I'm dead. That's all I know. I mean, he can be all as friendly as he wants to be. I don't know why they're shocked. I mean, this is Jesus. They've seen him stand over the bows of boats and cause the wind to stop talking and hush, the waves to subside and cease. They've seen him raise dead people. They've seen him stop funeral possessions out of the city of Nain and just walk up to a casket and tell a boy to get right up out the coffin. That's freaky. That's crazy. But he withers a tree, and they're mesmerized at a tree. He speaks the word of God. He curses the tree. They're perplexed. But what Jesus wanted them to understand is there is something to be said about an unwavering and an unshakable faith. Because Jesus says this. Remember what I read to you? He said, why are you perplexed? What do you mean? Why does this shock you? Because I say to you that if you have faith and you don't doubt when you speak to it. Now, now let me pause right here. You can't speak to it and then doubt that it's going to happen. That just defeated everything you just did. You believe it 100% or it's going to fail. He said, if you believe it and don't doubt the thing you saw to this fig tree ain't nothing from what you really could do because you could speak to a mountain and tell it to get out of your way. And it'll be done. It won't even just be a tree withers. You'll move a whole mountain range out of the way. That's pretty impressive. He was teaching them about an unshakable, unwavering faith. Judges 9 tells us the parable of some trees. They wanted to anoint a king and fields came first to a fig tree and said, or excuse me, came to a, a uh, olive tree and said, will you be our king? The olive tree has said, why should I give up my oil, my anointing? Why should I give it up for this? No, I'm good. So they go to a fig tree. Will you be our king? fig tree said, why would I sacrifice the sweetness and the goodness of my fruit to end up becoming barren and bitter because of it. Why would I give that up? No, thank you. They go to a vine of grapes. Say, would, would you do it? He said, why would I give up the fruit of my vine for this? But they go to a bramble bush. Y'all know what that is? That's thorns. There's a lot of them running around this world right now. There's a bunch of people thorns in our flesh. Everybody's got one. Apostle Paul said he was dying. He, even when he was dying, said, I tried to get rid of this thorn and God wouldn't let me. Bramble Bush said, oh, don't worry, I'll take you. The ones that always say they'll do it like that is the ones you better be looking at because when it becomes all about them, when they're ready to assume the role of, oh, you can put me in charge, I'll take it from here. You better make sure, first of all, they got the spirit of humility because if not, you might walk yourself right into a trap and it might be a hornet's nest and you may get stung more than you expected. Because there's a lot of people that stand there hugging you like this, but as soon as they get you in their regress, they got a knife to come right back into you. 
You better know who you hugging. Hello? Folks are living under generational curses, emotional curses. They feel like they don't have the power to overcome them. They must learn that you must have, there are times in life we have to speak things by faith. We may not always see how, when, or to what extent God's going to do it, but we speak it in faith and say, but God's word said, God's word said, God's word said, and believe God's word when it said what it said. For a child of the king, Ms. Carol, you make your way. So we have a guy, we have a weary traveler, we have a withered tree, we have an unwavering faith. But we also have a withstanding promise. You know, one thing I love about God's promises, they don't have an expiration date. Testing one. One. Testing one. This is a public service announcement. This is the test of the emergency response network. Beep. 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 Anybody in any distance can hear the sound of my voice. If you can, put your right hand in, put your right hand out, put your right hand, shake it all about. I mean, give me something, y'all. Hello. Let me try it one more time for the hard of hearing or those who just don't want to hear at all. One thing I love about the promises of God is God's promises do not have an expiration date. If God promised it, it may not happen tonight, but if he said he's going to do it, you might be dead and gone, but Sister Sybil, he'll get it done one way or the other. His promises don't expire. If God said, commit all your ways to him, if God said, train up a child in the way they should grow, so when they grow old, they want to part. If God promised it, even if you don't see it this side of heaven, God doesn't fail on the promises he's given because they don't have an expiration date. I know he hadn't come and taken us to heaven yet, but that doesn't mean he's not coming. Habakkuk 3, 18 and 19, I read it to you. He said, I got nothing. I got, in verse 17, I got no fruit. I got no cattle. I got no nothing. I don't have anything in my stalls. I don't have anything to eat. But yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I don't have nothing to show for it. I don't have anything to show. Everybody probably thinks I'm a nut job praising God in the middle of a broken down and a terrible situation. But I'm still going to trust the Lord even when I got nothing to offer. Because the Lord is my strength. He'll make my feet like hind's feet. He'll help me walk on high places. What he's saying is I'm not even walking on that mountain yet. But I'm going to praise God like I'm there even though I hadn't got there yet. So no matter what you're going through. No matter what you've gone through. No matter what you're still experiencing, even as today in the course of your lifetime, you can be assured that God always has a yet moment for every one of your lives. Pastor, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Hold on. I said it last week. Hold on. Help is on the way. I don't know how he does it all the time. Don't know when God's timing always is. I'll pray for you, but I don't always know the answer. But God always has a yet moment. I love the phrase, I don't love it in terms of when it's used to me, but I love in the connotation of scripture, some people will say TBD, I have to let you know pastor, that's to be determined, I don't know what time we're going to dinner, that's to be determined, blah, 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 but I have heard some folks actually say that's yet to be determined. 
That word yet is just letting me know we're going to do it. I just don't have all the information just yet. It's going to happen. We just don't know when yet. So let me say this to you. God still has promises and blessings still yet to reveal to the body of Christ. God knows how to heal sickness. God's allowed sickness to happen because of man's sinful nature. And he's placed that in this world. He's allowed us to walk through bad stuff. But even though there are things called COVID, even though there's things called cancer, even though there's things called uh, heart attacks and heart failures and, 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 and uh, lung diseases and pneumonia, whatever you want to call it, even though there's a lot of sicknesses, the Bible says God is yet a healer. So yeah, he allows him to be here, but he's still a healer. God may allow you to hit rock bottom. Yet he's a sustainer and a provider in the midst of all situations. Don't count out God's ability just yet. Because he's still yet to come in the clouds of glory. He's still yet to come with all dominion and power. He is still yet to split the eastern sky. He is still yet to blow the trumpet from Gabriel's lips. He's still yet to come down riding on a white horse. He's still yet to be crowned king of kings. They can't crown him lord of lords till we get there. He's still yet to come back and get his children. It may not look good right now, but God is still yet to be determined on the plan he has for his church. Haggai 2 and 19 says this. Is there seed still in the barn? As the vine bush and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not produced fruit. But God still said, I will bless you. Nothing to show for it. But God's still going to bless you anyway. So my summation tonight to you is this. Don't fret just yet. Don't fret just yet. Because God is still yet to walk onto the scene. So while you're afraid of it, don't fret just yet. Because I'm telling you, I don't know when he's coming, how he's coming, and how, when, and, how, and, and to what extent he'll do what he's going to do. But I'm telling you that if you just hold on long enough, God is still yet to show up, show out, and move on your behalf. All you need to do is know that there's still a yet. Don't fret. Don't fret. As you stand all over the house of God tonight. Father, very best of my ability, under the direction and unction of your Holy Spirit, tried my best to speak the unadulterated word of God I've tried to say what I feel like was your word for your people today as we get ready to go to and fro our destinations our humble places of abode some to go to work some to be heading back traveling home 
Lord, we pray, pray for safe passageway for those that will be on the roadways this week. God, tonight, whether online, streaming it later, or even, even in-house, let this word resonate in the body of Christ. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret just yet. Because God is yet to come onto the scene. And the outcome is yet to be determined. So God, this week, let us walk not in fear, but in faith. Not finding fear, but fighting in faith. Let our minds be renewed in Christ Jesus. And let us ultimately be able to say when we come back in this place next Sunday, we were excited and glad and ready when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord because we get to spend the time with you. Father, I give you the praise and glory. I pray that you would bless this congregation. Those watching online, you would keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance toward them and give them the peace of God that surpasses understanding. May the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts have been acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our God and our blessed Redeemer. Father, we forever will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Before we're dismissed, and I have Brother Randy pray the official benedictory prayer. Don't forget to continue to pray for all those that still need prayer. You can sign up if you're willing to help, donate, get stuff for the uh, Family Fest, Fall Family Fest. Wednesday night Bible study at 7. Sunday school next Sunday at 10 a.m. Morning worship at 11. Evening worship at 7, uh, 6 p.m. Next week. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erchberger to give us a final benedictory prayer to send you on your way. Immediately following that, you can consider yourselves dismissed. God bless you.